Welcome to the Patient Flow Podcast powered by Teletracking. On today's episode, disasters. Whether from wildfires, hurricanes, and tornadoes to flu outbreaks and mass shootings, disasters are unfortunately a part of life. During these difficult times, the benefits of a centralized approach to care is essential and demonstrate how important planning and regular disaster drills are. In this second episode of our four-part series, we meet Justin Willis, Nurse Manager, Centralized Patient Logistics Center at Broward Health, who brings first-hand experience of both Hurricane Durian and the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting. John Weimer, Vice President of Emergency and Trauma Services at Kettering Health Network, who worked with his team to care for the victims of the mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio. Let's listen in as Justin Willis begins. So my name is John Weimer, I'm the System Vice President uh, for Kidding Health Network. I have Emergency Trauma in our um, Network Operations Command Center. Folks here that really do the work every day. So Dr. Flip, who's our Medical Director, Jody Cremines, who's our Operational Director, Nick Spillis, our Manager, and Sean Gaines, who is one of our team leaders. The reality is I slept through most of all of these events because of the systems we had put in place and how those teams interacted to really deliver that care. But during our implementation uh, with teletracking and going to a centralized command center, we had the unfortunate events that kind of started within the city of Dayton. So we had our Sacred Nights rally, uh, also known as the KKK, where they were doing a demonstration as well as a counter-protest. Followed two days later, our patient catchment was hit by 19 tornadoes. So we have 12 emergency departments in our system and nine hospitals throughout about a 16-county radius. So following our tornado event, then we also had our shooting in our Oregon district where three of our uh, hospitals received patients. So just um, honored to be here here today, share some of our lessons learned. Uh, None of us ever want to be up here sharing this story, um, but we find that it's important that we all learn from each other. We did go through the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting. That did affect two of our trauma centers in our system, the one that is closer to the scene, took the adult patients, which is a level two trauma, and our level two one trauma took the pediatric patients. As most of you know from trauma, less than 16 years old is considered a pediatric patient. At that time, we didn't have the visibility to see what was going on at each other's hospitals. We didn't know about bed availability. I myself was working in the nursing office at the medical center, which is the flagship level one trauma center. So we didn't really know what was going on at the other hospital. So recently we did go through Hurricane Dorian, which we had drilled for a tabletop drill that in which we evacuated our hospital, two of our hospitals that are closer to the shore. Um, at that time, we first started out as the internal patients that we evacuated them horizontally, and then we went to outside the facility evacuations, and we coordinated that through the teletracking system. Through that system, we learned that there were a few more things that we went to with our IT team. We built triage tags in which we followed the regular ED triage, green, yellow, red, black. So that way we would know, okay, these patients are the quickest ones to move, these are, this one's expired, and these are going to be the more labor-intensive patients to move. Um, Another thing we learned as well, we learned that we had to do more education with our nursing leadership in which they would be able to better utilize the system so that way they could have that hard set 
way of knowing how to navigate the system, how to register non-patients as well as patients. Um, that's part of the portal that we had built was that we have the ability now to see what's going on at all four of our sites as well as what's going on as far as visitors, patients that are boarding, and so on and so forth. Um, so as a health system, we had started a couple years ago really to try to figure out how we could standardize our work. About 70% of our clinicians go between one or another one of our campuses. So that practice variation is just critical, you know, supplies, flow, you know, documentation. So we had really worked for about the last three years. We had hired a gentleman that that was really his passion, you know, getting the right people in the right role. So one of the things we had done is standardize all of our disaster equipment. All 12 of our emergency departments operate off of a pole cart, very much similar to our armed services. So no matter where you're at, you get reallocated or redeployed to one of our sites. It's a need. You have the same equipment. You know exactly where it's at in the cart. You touch it at least once or twice a year. Um, all of our staff were required to go through that hands-on training and return demonstration. So that kind of takes that cognitive burden off of them. So in real-time life situations, it's kind of, oh, yeah, I do this. I'm touching this all the time. This isn't new. It's just more of what I'm doing. Also, we partner with our EMS pretty heavily. We have about 5,911 providers that we work with on our catchment. So every month we go, it's, um, again, trying to create it in your standard work. We go through triage tag days. So every patient that's brought in by fire and EMS goes through that um, triage tag. So the paramedics, you know, police, EMTs will put that tag on that patient, identify them as a red, yellow, green. They come into the ER. That process is continued through until they get admitted to the hospital or discharge. So it's that constant rework of living in that every day so that when you get a flood of a bunch of triage tags, it's not, oh, I forget what this is. I don't remember what this looks like. It's just that repetitive action that kind of is incorporated into your daily work. As a, you know, as a system, we drill, we go through that. For us, it was unique because we were starting to function more as a system. Really, up until about a year ago, we were just a loosely affiliated group of hospitals. We all have our own leadership. We all have our own incident command. So this was one of the first events where we stood up more of a centralized incident command, um, which really has a different kind of a function than what your campus does, you know. Where we're located, we are not caring for patients. Um, you know, we're doing and delivering work through computers and the patient logistics. But at the campuses, it was very clear some of the things they were working through. But as a system, we were able to really start to look at and say, okay, we need to redeploy clinicians here. We need to go here. We need to check what that looks like. Our ED group has been very proactive in that. They had already set up disaster call to where they could put out a page, and they were already pre-sorted as to what hospital they would go to. So we had, you know, about 10 ER physicians show up as well as about 50 ER nurses show up for our shooting. Knowing that, you know, after about 30 minutes, we would be able to level set and what does that look like. Interesting for us, though, is when we had our shooting, we had just moved into a relatively rare and newer space. And I think you've all seen the pictures. We like video screens and monitors. But before we were even alerted that there was an event going on, we started seeing police actually drop off patients at uh, one of our emergency departments. So we started seeing the police cruisers pull in, the lights were flashing in the command center, which was distracting. Before there was ever a regional page, there was a mass shooting um, going, you know, our law enforcement started moving those, uh, moving those patients. And that was a lesson learned. So from sharing, uh, we had brought in the Las Vegas fire chief as well as the medical director. We had held a symposium about eight months before that. 
We had about 350 of our fire, EMS, and our hospital leaders of what were the lessons that they learned. And that was one of the clear things that you know they continue to say is, your medics aren't going to bring your patients in. Your first patients you're going to see are regular police and private vehicles. And that was what we saw, and that kind of alerted us that we had an issue going on that we really needed to kind of see what we were, how we were going to deal with that. Um, we had a tabletop drill. Thankfully, we haven't had another mass shooting since the implementation of teletracking. However, we did have a simulated drill um, that my staff took um, part in that we had a mass shooter in our hospital. Um, multiple quote-unquote shooters going through and we went through that drill to see how we can offload that hospital and we had the visibility in order to see okay this hospital is not a trauma center so we're going to have to get them to our level one and level two trauma centers so we were able to coordinate that with the, the drill team in our emergency preparedness department to say, okay, this patient is going here, this patient is going here, so that way we didn't um, get caught on the back foot, kind of like what we did in Stoneman Douglas. Yeah, so for our particular network, all of our facilities were aligned with our command center. We were going through that culture change. That placement and patient logistics had always been a campus function, and we had just moved that over to the network. I mean, surprisingly enough, it was help us. You can see everything, help us move people. You know, in our emergency departments, our knock doesn't do patient placement in our ER. That's managed by the triage nurse. Um, but once you go past the ED, you go to OR, the floors, that's managed by our central command center. We honestly didn't have that issue. One of our opportunities, though, was really standing up that incident command kind of structure. We had not had a lot of pre-thought in that, but we only had one public information officer. So she was being inundated with CBS, ABC, you know, and unfortunately for her, she's had like 90 days where she just hasn't been able to sleep. And the reality, we have one chief quality officer. We have one network CMO, and they were like, where do we go? Um, I have three hospitals being impacted. Um, when we had our tornado, two of our hospitals had tornadoes go within about a block of them. Luckily, they didn't receive structural damage, but their entire communities around them, no power, no water, none of that, none of those kind of things. And then one of our outlying facilities lost complete connectivity with the network. They had no phones, they had no EMR, they had nothing electronic, they had no PAC system. So for us, it was really figuring out how we could redeploy those resources, but we did not get into that cultural war or that um, emergency kind of, I'm going to put someone here, what do I do? It was very much a collaborative effort. Uh, and really, I would say it was a lot of thank you from our campus to start command center of, you took this off so I could focus on something else. And they do really well. I mean, we can, that team has grown immensely in just a few months. Um, and their transparency and being able to quickly move a patient and that forethought, they do pretty good. As well as our transportation team is there. So our ambulance fleet is there. So if we need to move people between hospitals, um, we can manage that real time as well. Tying into that a little bit, we uh whenever we were preparing for Dorian, each individual hospital had their command center as well, and then we had our corporate command center that helped coordinate things. Um, one of the big things that we do at Broward Health is we do board patients that are at home on ventilators, pediatric patients, but so on and so forth during hurricanes. So we had to plan for those patients as well. So as a system, it came out, okay, we need to see where we can put these patients and um, how are we going to track them? And with the teletracking system, we were able to register them without registering them in our ADT system. 
and keep track of those patients in families. So that way everyone in the facility was accounted for. But our IT team actually were there. We have a before and during and after team. Before and during teams are, are separated, so that way there is a person that is there to support the application at all times. And, and it's, in addition to that, it all, all of our applications such as Thermer and Envision are also supported as well. So that way if we have any kind of downtime, there is someone that is there that can fix it. When preparing for an emergency through training, do you see the benefits of having both tabletop exercises and simulated drills? Um, no, I don't think a tabletop is sufficient. I think you should simulate as much as you can. Of course, we want to be safe with patients. So actually, literally evacuating a hospital is very hard to do and has a high liability risk. But as much as you can, you want to relive that real-world situation so that way you're ready for it. Yeah, I would agree. So, I mean, you know, my impression is really those serve two different roles. Your tabletop is more helping your leaders and your administration understand from a big picture how do you do logistics and how you move. If you think about it from your tabletops, very often we have very few staff that really get to participate in a tabletop. Versus simulation, you're taking your HUC, your therapist, your EVS, you're taking your nurse, here's a movie loss patient, here, here's a paper patient. How do you move that person through your system? How do you find a bed? How do you know what that looks like? So in our system, we view those as two different roles, one preparing our leadership teams and then one preparing our frontline staff and how they manage that. You're listening to the Patient Flow Podcast powered by Teletracking. We'll continue this conversation about disaster readiness in our next episode.